It was a dark night in mid-October in Dallas, Texas. Three amazingly beautiful, hilarious siblings to Shay, Sage, and Storm walk into a bar. From behind the light of a single candle, as the drinks begin to flow, so do the stories. And as per usual, they turn dark very quickly. M me. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Three Siblings Walk Into a Bar. My name is Sage, the middle sibling. I'm Storm, the youngest sibling. And I'm Deshay, the oldest sibling. I realized my mic is like so much further away, so I had to like <laughs> lean into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Storm, are those with TikTok glasses? Yes, those are, are so cool. So cool. Yes, uh, <laughs> I like See, my yes. ADHD is too bad. I would fuck with those all day long. I would probably mess with them. Yeah. Oh, I they're do. so all cute. Day. All and day. And then because everybody, everybody was always like, "Oh, I like your glasses. I like your glasses." Because I bought a bunch of different things for them, mm. and um. And then today I was like literally having a very, not a serious conversation, but like something was messed up and we needed to fix it. And I was sitting there talking to my manager about it and I was like, blah, blah, blah. And then I just like take the thing off and she goes, wait a minute. <laughs> she, was like, she goes, have you been wearing the same glasses every day, but just switching them? And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I've been doing. And she's like, that is so cool. I was like, yes. Thank you. <laughs> that is really cool. I think those are awesome. I would yeah, use that cool. as like a, like anytime I have to be serious, you get out like the the serious ones and put those on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Wait, let me switch my frames. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, I got a I got a pair that like turned them into sunglasses, and so I don't remember what me and Stinky were talking about something. And then I go, you know what's cool? Watch this. <laughs> I just took these off and put my sunglasses on. And he was like, Oh my gosh, mom! And I was like, I know, I know, I'm cool. I'm going to remove my Marc Jacobs sunglasses to make a very clear point. <laughs> oh well, this, this is a is, special episode. It is a very special episode. So it's our one crazy. year. One year? This is insane. We have been doing this for one year. So it does crazy. not feel like it. It really doesn't. It feels like we started like a couple months ago. Yeah. It does. I know. I think about it. I'm like, there's no way it's been a year. And then I think of like all the stories we've done. And I was like, damn, like it's been a long time. Yeah. Like, I, I've gotten to that point sometimes where I'm like researching. I'm like, oh my God, have I done that? Have we done that? I was doing that today. <laughs> <laughs> I went back to our old episodes to make sure I didn't see the name. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to. I told y'all, I'm going to have to make like a spreadsheet that's just yeah. like episode one. We talked about this. Yeah. Episode two, we talked so we can exactly. like search a name and then see if it pops up. But I'm like, mm -mm. dang. Because I've had that. Well, and my problem is like, I look at a few that I know I want to do and then I'll decide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, whichever one I want to pick. So mm -hmm. it's like, I know we researched that one, but did I actually right. tell that story? Because yeah. I right. don't know yeah. if I did. I also just like watch true crime, like YouTube and stuff all the time. So I'm like, did I already? I know I've heard this before. Yes, <laughs> I do it all the exactly. time, every time. Yes. And I love now too, like when I'm listening to other podcasts, 
Like I listened to one the other day where they talked about the trick or treat murder that I did Mm -hmm. for last Halloween. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is so cool. And I like to listen to them. And it's, but sometimes I get nervous where I'm like, did I miss something? Like, are yes. they going to say something that I totally didn't like, <laughs> yeah. include in mine? <clears throat> they usually line up pretty well. So I'm yeah. like, okay, good. <laughs> I had something crazy happen at the shop the other day. I don't know if I told you guys, but I was tattooing this girl and we were talking about true crime. And I was like, yeah, I do a podcast with my sisters. And she goes, what's it called? And I told her, and she was like, dude, my coworker just recommended you guys to me. What? And I was like, what? No. That's so like, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, we, we all listen to True Crime at my job, and someone recommended you guys, and it's you're like in my list. Like, I was going to listen to you next. I still haven't listened to an episode, but I was going to. And I was like, that's insane. That is so cool. It's really wild. I love that. Oh, well, shout out them <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then say hello. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's wild. It's so wild. It's like when uh, when people started like coming to me and like asking for me specifically to do their tattoos. I'm like, how did how did you find out about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, did my mom tell you to come up here and ask? For me? <laughs> <laughs> She oh, so yeah. would. That's funny. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my god. I always hate when people ask me for recommendations for tattoos because I'm like, I know that certain people have certain styles of tattoos that they like to do, yeah. and so I always am like, mm-hmm. the first thing I do is, well, what kind of tattoo do you want? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're yeah. like. I want a portrait of my grandma's cousin. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I don't really know anybody that can do exactly. those. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing is when we're at the bar and people will ask me like, oh, what kind of tattoos do you do? And I'll show them my Instagram or like tattoos that I've done. And then they're like, can you do this? And it's like full like color realism. And I'm like, Really? Dude, like, <laughs> what did I just show you? No. You're like, I'll try. I'll try. Yeah. But exactly. I can't guarantee you it's going to yeah. look good. Yeah, I have started mm-hmm. recently to start kind of uh, reach out of my comfort zone so I can start growing a little bit more. It's terrifying yeah. and exciting. <clears throat> yes. Absolutely. Do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You got to. Well, I was going to talk to you guys about this beforehand, but better than live on the air. (laughs) Well, since it is our one year and I would like to do something exciting, um, I want to do like a giveaway that we can do on our Instagram. Hell yeah. So um, let's do it. We can make some like a few stickers, maybe a shirt, Mm -hmm. something. We'll think of something and get it together. And then um, I don't know. Put it somewhere. We'll put it on, put it on Instagram and mm-hmm. do. Yeah, Instagram. Well, share it. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll <laughs> we can share it. We they can share it, do, and then yeah, and then we yeah, can you know randomly fun. pick. Yeah. Or yeah. <clears throat> there's like a uh, something like an app or something that'll randomly pick for you. Yeah. yeah. That'll be good. That's a good idea. <clears throat> you know, because we've been talking about making stickers for 12 years, and maybe this would make us actually uh, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me jump on that real quick. <laughs> I have a bunch We're of- all about to be together for the next, like, well, week. Yeah. 
Yes, so we can so all... So, um, we can think of something then. Our family be like, give me the iPad. I will draw a picture. And be like, <laughs> a stick... All three of us as stick figures. Yes, yeah. That's right. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and just have one of the kids write the name. and It'll be fine. Yeah. Make yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure our family is going to be sick of us by the end of this. Oh, we are oh, so annoying. God. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Yeah. We're, they think we're going for the kids. That that's what they think. Yeah, that's what they think. <laughs> yeah. Like, are we're you really, kidding? We're only going for the food. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. Like <laughs> the food, and so I can eat Aladdin. That's the. That's it. That's yeah, all I, mean. I literally think about it. I'm like, what do you do at Disney? Like, what is there even to do? And I'm like, eat. Like, yes. what else are you supposed to do at Disney? Like, walk around. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's gonna be nuts. I'm, I'm just really ready to be drunk ride. in a like very large uh, park. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're gonna be yep. pulling the over here. You gotta walk over here. Yes. Okay, let's exactly. sit down for a minute. Did you drink yeah. water? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I may need the bomb, but they'll be all right. I'll be fine. <laughs> what are the weird crazy uncles for but to be drunk at disney that is so true that's right that's so true <laughs> <laughs> and embarrassed the right. shit out of you yep. <laughs> at least they'll have a story when they come home oh yeah yeah i'm excited i know it was it was so weird because um in the little group me app thing that we have for um garrett's soccer team the coach had put on there that was like we're not going to be at this game and this game because we'll be on a vacation and I won't be able to do this um, practice because we'll be on vacation. And I told Richard, I was like, dang, that sucks because that kid and Garrett both won't be there for those two games. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it'll be fine. Like the other kids will just get to play a little bit more. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. Richard made a joke and was like, oh, maybe they'll be at Disney. And I'm like, maybe. I mean, I doubt it, but like maybe. And so at soccer practice tonight, Richard told them that I wasn't there, but Richard told them that um, we were going to be gone. And he was like, I'm going to Disney too. And I was like, what? Weird. Like they leave the same day. They come home the same day. Like everything. That's that's wild. crazy. It really is a small world. because one of, Really? Yeah. Someone yeah. else's client came in and they were talking about Disney and they were like, yeah, these are the days I'm going. And it just so happens to be the days that we're going. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. This really is a popular time to go, though, because oh yeah, who doesn't Tell love me. spooky season? Not? Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh my god. Well, I was uh, I was talking to Rainy the other day, and I'm sure everybody knows Rainy at this point. She's one of my mentors. She uh, she gave me a story to do, and <clears throat> I was researching it and didn't realize how involved it is. And I'm going to need a little more time to write this script. So, Rainy, don't hate me. But I'm not doing the story that you asked me to do this time. It's similar, though. It has similar pros to it, I guess. Um, I guess we can just jump into it. Yeah. yeah. Jump into it after 11 minutes. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> Let's get um, it. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of the Last Call killings? No, but it sounds like a scary no. movie. It, it's so it it, it is. <laughs> it's a it's they they made a movie and they made documentaries out of it. Um, so you guys know that my uh, 
my queer little heart, I can't go without telling a gay serial killer story for a while. So that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Good. Here's another one. Um, so they're the last call killings, and his name is Richard Rogers, which sounds okay. just like a like uh, like a Broadway singer or something. Like, yeah, sounds like the first thing that came to mind was pirate for me. <laughs> <laughs> Richard I Rogers. Like, I thought of like a dad from the fifties, like going to work. Like, how well, Rogers, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's weird that you say the fifties because uh, he was born on June sixteenth of nineteen fifty in Plymouth, oh. Massachusetts. Uh, he okay. was the eldest of five children, and he was raised by his father, who. Okay, they describe him as a lobsterman, which I'm assuming is like a like a guy that goes out and catches lobsters. But the only yeah, thing yeah. I can see when I read it is lobster man, like the with like, like, like from claws. the, with the claws. <laughs> <laughs> from American Horror Story. Yeah. Yes. Oh yes. no. Okay, so mm-hmm. his father was a lobsterman, and his mother was a telephone worker. Um, in late 1950s, Rogers and his family uh, reloaded, relocated to Florida so that his father could have a higher paying job in, a sheet metal, uh, in sheet metal manufacturing. Uh, his father taught him how to hunt deer, ducks, and catch fish. I wonder if he used my duck call. Probably. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, as an adolescent, Rogers was skinny and timid. Uh, this, along with his effeminate personality and his high-pitched voice, made him a target of bullying in his high school, Palmetto High School. Mm, okay. Much to the dismay of his father, Rogers didn't show any interest in sports. Uh, int- he was instead interested in going to Girl Scout meetings with his mother. So he was a mom's boy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Rogers was also a straight-A student and a member of the French club at school. In the late 1960s, Roger uh, allegedly grabbed a knife from his home and stabbed his na- neighbor, who was an older woman. Uh, because of the attack, Rogers was briefly institutionalized and soon released and graduated from Palmetto High School in 1968. What? Oh my god! So in high school, something happened. I tried to find as much information about these like little offshoots as possible, but there's mm-hmm. like, there's barely any information out there. So apparently, mm-hmm. it was an older woman who was his neighbor, and he stabbed her. And uh, instead of he was just institutionalized, basically, and then they just let him go back long. to high school. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Exactly. I don't. Like, I don't get it. I don't and I get wonder, it. Like going back to high school, how people treated him. Like, did they yes. know what uh-huh. happened? And yeah. Like, yeah. Did they bully him after that, or right. like, were they all afraid and nobody wanted to be his friend? Yeah. Like, I, this was this was sixty eight when he graduated high school. So this was like the mid sixties. So mm-hmm. like my brain goes to you know those movies where like there's the 
the kid that just happened to leave school and came back and everyone thought of like all these crazy things that would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody really knew what happened. Exactly. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm assuming happened and why he was able to finish high school at the same high school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, he later went on to go to college. Uh, Rogers attended Florida Southern College in Lakeland, Florida. While in college, Roger was described as a quiet loner who largely kept to himself. However, he did have a few friends. The one that was most notable was his second roommate. Him and his roommate were considered to be joined at the hip during their, uh, the majority time at university. Rogers graduated from Florida Southern College in 1972, earning a Bachelor's of, Art, Bachelor of Arts degree in French which has nothing to do with anything, I guess, really. (laughs) He was just interested (laughs) in it. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In 1973, when Rogers was 23, he attended the University of Maine as a graduate student. Rogers lived in a two-story house with three housemates in Orano, Maine. Oh, my God. God, I should have said these out loud before I started talking. (laughs) Orano Maine. Okay. Um, One of Roger's housemates was Frederick Allen Spencer, a 22-year-old man. Rogers and Spencer were not fond of each other, uh, but there was no instances of violence between the two. Hmm. Until one day. Oh, gosh. So on the afternoon of April 28th, 1973, Rogers hit Spencer eight times in the back of the head with a roofing hammer. Oh, my God. Spencer was still alive after the bludgeoning. So Roger asphyxiated him by placing a plastic bag over his head until he died. Oh, my gosh. Rogers waited until the evening to dispose of Spencer's body. He wrapped uh, Spencer in a nylon Boy Scout tent, dragged the body out of the home where he lived with two other people across, uh, across a parking lot and into his car. He was dragging a body out of his house across a parking lot into his car in the middle of the night. And nobody saw him? That's crazy. So... <clears throat> He then drove down uh, Route 116 in Old Town uh, for about a minute until he reached Bird Stream Forest, where he dumped Spencer's body. Hmm. Spencer's body was found by two cyclists on the afternoon of May 1st of 1973. Police were able to identify Spencer's body after tracing a key in his pants uh, to a post office box that he had recently rented. So they were only able to find out who he was by a key that he had on him. A key. Crazy. Three officers were um, investigating the, the home. Spencer shared with his three room, roommates. In Roger's room, they discovered bloody foot, uh, footprints, bloody <laughs> fingerprints on the door, a bloody footprint on the floor, Fucking Dr. Seuss, dude. I was a little yeah. to say Dr. Seuss, too. 
and <laughs> droplets across the wall, as well as the hammer that was used to kill Spencer. Okay. So that's all just <laughs> chilling there? Yeah. So they what? just... Okay. Yeah. Um, Rogers was subsequently taken to the Orano police barracks and interrogated. During the interrogation, he admitting to he admitted to killing Spencer, but claimed that it was in self-defense. After his confession, Rogers was charged with the murder of Spencer and pled not guilty. Rogers' uh, fingerprints, height, and weight were taken, and he was held in Bangor county jail without bail for six months until his trial started hmm crazy the trial for the murder of spencer began in bangor's uh superior court on october 29th of 1973 the state was represented by foad salim the assistant attorney general and Rogers was represented by Errol K. Payne, a local attorney. Hmm. Testimonies began on October 31st. The first testimony was from a medical examiner who stated that Spencer died from the injuries to the head. And the examiner uh, also implied that Spencer's pinky was broken during the struggle. So earlier he said that he still wasn't dead after he hit him with the hammer. So he asphyxiated mm-hmm. him. But the medical examiner is saying that he died from the blows to the head and not from asphyxiation. Yeah, okay. That's what I was confused. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he was most he just likely, did it for fun. Yeah. He just kept going basically. Mm-hmm. Um, On November 1st, the trial continued and several other witnesses testified. The last person to testify was Richard Rogers. Rogers claimed that Spencer um, attempted to attack him with the roofing hammer, but he got a hold of the hammer during the struggle and hit Spencer on uh, eight times in the head in self-defense. Seems a little excessive for self-defense. I think one would have sufficed. Self-defense, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Rogers then said that Spencer was still struggling, so he put the plastic bag over his head until he stopped. Rogers attempted to clean the room by throwing out the bloodstained rug. He then uh, waited until it was dark to put Spencer's remains into the car and dump the body off of Route 166. He then... uh, He did this, as he claimed... I just didn't know what to do. I wanted very much to call the police, but at this point, it looked very suspicious. That was a quote from Rogers while he was testifying. According to observers, yeah. According to observers, uh, Rogers did an exceptional job uh, testifying. He was calm, clear, and convincing. At the end of the day, Errol K. Payne, uh, who was his attorney, um, made the request to reduce Rogers' charges to manslaughter. Mm. This is not manslaughter. Mm-mm. <clears throat> not. Uh, <clears throat> agreed to reduce the charge. Rogers uh, also 
employed the gay panic defense, claiming that Spencer made unwanted sexual advances to him prior to alleging to the alleged attacking of him. Stop it. Do you guys know what the gay panic defense is? I was about to say, is that even a real thing? What okay. is that? So I, go, yeah. I, I looked it up and it is a real thing. Um, it, it's not really used very much anymore, but it was used kind of like, um, the insanity defense. Mm -hmm. Like if, um, if you were with a woman, um, and she ended up being trans and you freaked out and killed her, like you, your sentence could be dropped because of the gay panic defense. Does that make sense? So you're so afraid yes. of gay people that you kill them and that's yes. okay? Yes. Okay. You panic okay. because you didn't know what to do because gay people and, but yeah. this, man, this man is gay. He is mm-hmm. very gay and he's claiming still the gay panic defense. Wow. <sighs> okay. Yeah. I, that, ooh, this one really pisses me off. And there are still states to this day that accept the gay panic defense as a legitimate defense. Wow. There are still states. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so. We need to write those down. Exactly. Just just don't go. (laughs) Not go there. (laughs) Oh my God. All right. So, uh, the trial ended the next day on November 2nd of 1973 the jury, after deliberating under three hours, reached a verdict. The verdict was not guilty. <gasps> Stop. Shut the front door. Stop. Yep. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That, I can't. I'm pissed. I'm already pissed. But yeah, it gets the, oh my goodness. much worse. <laughs> okay, so mm-hmm. after all of that, um, Rogers decides that he wants to go back to school. He wants to be a nurse now. Oh, oh no. great. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Uh-huh. So um, after after his acquittal, uh, Rogers moved to New York in 1973, where he attended Pace University, the School of Nursing. Mm-hmm. After graduating in 1978 and earning a master's degree in science, he was hired as a nurse in Mount Sinai Hospital. Sinai, yeah. Sinai. So here's mm-hmm. where I'm confused real quick. So we all are aware, and I feel like it's got to be a well-known thing even in hospitals, right? <clears throat> That's why they have protocol for certain things. Right. That like the number one serial killers are like nurses and doctors. Yeah. Thank you. And so why are we going to pick somebody, even if he was proven not guilty, who possibly killed somebody? Who did? He said he killed him. It was just in self-defense. Yeah. And we're going to let them be a nurse in the hospital. Like, they don't have any record of that? It's not so, they, might not know, they might not know. Right. So, I mean, he was just going to school. He um, didn't have any kind of, like, medical background, really. So they didn't have anybody to check with. And he was acquitted. Yeah. Therefore, there's not really any... I mean, it would still be of record that he went to court, I'm assuming... But, well, and we also don't know what their protocol was back then. Like, I can tell right. you what it is now just from working in one yeah. a year, a yeah. couple years ago. But 
we don't know what it was then. They may not have checked for that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And they may just have needed people. Yeah, his records seem to be a um, topic of interest through most of this. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, after he got the job, um, you said Sinai? Mm-hmm. Uh, after he got the job at Sinai Hospital, um, he became a surgical nurse and worked in the pediatric ward. <gasps> oh, stop! No, God, I just hated everything you no. just said. Oh. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna calm your your fears now. Nothing to do with children. No children were oh harmed. Oh my god! Oh my god! Me and you are about mm-hmm. to fight. We're about to rumble. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, on July 11th of 1988, Rogers allegedly invited a man that he met at a bar in Manhattan to his Staten Island apartment. After driving the man to his apartment, Rogers asked the man if he would like anything to drink. The man asked for a diet soda, but Rogers brings him orange juice instead. Mm. If anybody knows anything about like serial killers, I guess. Orange juice is apparently like cuts the bitterness of some medications. Mm-hmm. And so like, if I go to someone's house and they offer me orange juice, I'm fucking leaving, dude. I don't yeah, care no, if you're just trying to be wholesome and be nice. Like, no, I'm not doing that. First of all, orange juice is disgusting. Second of all, yeah, you're trying to, like, no, I'm not. I love orange juice. <laughs> I can't do it. Can't okay, well, next time you come over here, I'm going to give you orange juice, and you're just going to take it, throw it in my face, and then, like, <laughs> and run off the exactly. door. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So he gives him orange juice instead. Um, after drinking it, the man uh, said that he fell unconscious. Mm. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Hours later, the man woke up. His hand and ankles were bound to Roger's bed with hospital ID bracelets. <gasps> what? Yeah. <clears throat> that. That's creepy. Uh, uh. So as he lay um, naked on his back, <clears throat> Rogers saw that he was awake and injected, uh, <clears throat> injected a needle into the man, causing him to lose consciousness again. A few hours. Can you imagine uh, the fear of that? Uh, like. You like trying just to fight up. staying awake, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to fight like, uh, and, and yes. Mm. Oh my god. Also, those hospital bands, like it sounds like. Why didn't he just rip out of them? Those hospital bands are crazy, and you can't. Just yeah, you cannot. No, Mm-mm. it doesn't work like that. Mm-mm. So, um, a few hours later, Rogers dressed the still unconscious man and carried him out of his apartment building. So again, he just. Picks him up and carries him outside. Okay. Uh, when the man woke up again, he called his friend who drove him to the local police precinct. After reporting the assault, he went to Roosevelt Hospital, where the doctors ran several, several tests on him. They noted that there was a bruise on a vein on his hand and also took a rape kit, which came back as negative. Which is super interesting to me. Like, there was nothing there. He didn't do anything to this man, apparently. 
what was the point? Okay, mm -hmm. exactly. So the, the bruise on the back of the hand, the, if you know anything about like drawing blood or giving shots or anything, if you go too deep through a vein, you will basically pop it and it will cause yeah. this like crazy bruise. Hematoma. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm assuming that's what it is. He was trying to do something like start an IV or something and it just like didn't work IV. so he was like yeah yeah mm -hmm. he was like fuck this I'm not doing it and just like let mm -hmm. him go like let him go yeah yeah so Rogers was arrested for the crime in August of that year but um he was acquitted in a non-jury trial in December of 1988 why so <clears throat> I was doing a little bit of research about like queer murderers in like the eighties mm -hmm. and um, m men that go to the hospital and say that they were raped or uh, stuff like that. A lot of them in the eighties, because it was also like the AIDS scare was they were just turned away or they would oh like, they would take their information and like they would run the test, but nothing ever came of it because oh, that's horrific. Right. They were, it's they so were just sad. the, the gay men and they were going to die anyway. Yeah. So there was no point, which is basically That's seems crazy. to be the, the yeah. general consensus for medical in the eighties, I guess in general. All right. So the last call killings, this is where um, he gets the name of the last call killer between 1991 and 1993. Four gay and bisexual men were lured from piano bars in Manhattan and later found dismembered and murdered in trash bag in trash bins along the highways in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York. Mm. Mm. The perpetrator of these crimes was dubbed the last call killer by the media, although Richard Rogers uh, was only convicted of two of these killings, those of Thomas... Um, Mulcahy, Mul Mulcahy, okay, and Anthony mm -hmm. Moreno. He was suspected okay. of committing all four of the murders, so he was only ever uh, charged for two. But there's a few of them that are pretty obviously him, him yeah. right? Uh, the first of the last call victims was 54-year-old Peter Stickney Anderson. On the night of May 5th in 1991, Anderson was last seen alive in on Lexington Avenue after drinking at the Townhouse Bar in Midtown. The following morning, Anderson's remains were discovered in a trash barrel by maintenance workers along the west side of the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Oh, that's horrific. Mm -mm. So the reason the, the workers found it was because there's a bunch of trash bags all over the place and they couldn't pick this one up. Yeah. So they opened it oh, to see what God. was in it. As you do. Yeah. So they couldn't lift it um, <clears throat> into it. So they opened it and what they saw was this was Anderson's head. Oh my God. Um, there crazy. are reports that they didn't really do a whole lot at the beginning of it because there was like, um, 
people would go fishing around there and there's always like blood and like fish gut mm-hmm. and stuff all over the place. And then they thought it was mm-hmm. like a pumpkin. So they didn't really, you know, do anything about right. it. Okay. Finally, one of them was like, no, this is like, we need to check this out. And so they opened it and it was a head. So uh, the, wor- the worker then noticed, notified his supervisor who called Pennsylvania State Police. An autopsy, an autopsy was conducted of Anderson, which revealed that he died from multiple stab wounds to the chest and the back. He was also castrated post-mortem. Oh. His penis was placed in his mouth. Oh, oh my god! So it doesn't, it doesn't, like the later details, his other victims, it doesn't say that he did that. But it says that they were um, sexually mutilated. So I'm assuming that that's what happened. Probably what happened, yeah. Uh, God. Due to rigor mortis, the medical examiner determined that Anderson had died less than 37 hours prior to the discovery of his body. Anderson's identity was initially unknown. But then he was later identified by the belongings that they had found along a stretch of the turnpike. Which means that he was, like, throwing shit out the window as he was going. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, but they finally found it, and they were able to identify him. The next, vis- the next victim was Thomas McCauhey, a 57-year-old man uh, married a father of four. Oh, my God. Oh. who lived in Massachusetts, visited New York in July of 1972 for a business meeting. His credit card transactions were tracked to his last known whereabouts, which were the townhouse bar on July 8th. Mm. On July Mm. 10th, maintenance workers found uh, five trash bags containing partial remains of Mulcahy along Route 72 in Woodland Township, New Jersey. Oh, my God. So this is, this is like the morbid part, basically. Uh, mm. One bag contained intestines, a stomach, uh, a, st- a latex glove, and a plastic cup. Mulcahy's stomach was cut in half and placed in two bags. Ew. The fourth what? bag held a portion of Mulcahy's skin with a bite mark on it. The last bag had a blood-stained compass saw, a pair of latex gloves, a shower curtain, and a bed sheet in it. Two hours later, a sixth bag Mm-mm. containing the legs were found in a picnic area in the Garden State Parkway of uh, the Stanford Township, New Jersey. No. Mokahi's death was caused by several stab wounds to his chest and his back. All of the body parts were washed clean of blood. <gasps> what? What? So... I can only imagine, like, seeing seeing a dead body, like, completely covered in blood, you're gonna, like, it's it's bloody. Like, there's obviously something. Yeah. If you're opening up a trash bag and finding something with no blood, I can only imagine 
what that would that's be crazy. like. That's crazy. That's creepy, man. And yeah, that's just... like they still would have blood in them, right? When you put them in the bag. So it's like, did he just like completely drain it of blood and then put it I in I guess the bag? so. Which, I mean, it doesn't really talk about this, but I, it seems like he was just kind of playing with them. Yes. Yes. He kept them for long enough to do what he wanted to do. Like the stomach was cut in half. What mm-hmm. that doesn't do anything. Like he was just doing yeah. that because he wanted to. Because he could. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the third victim was Anthony Edward uh, Marrero. Marrero. Wow. Marrero. A 40-year-old gay sex worker from Manhattan. On May 10th of 1993, six plastic bags containing Marrero's remains were found off Crow Hill Road in Manchester Township, New Jersey. His body had been cut into seven pieces. His arms, his legs, his torso, which had been cut in half, and his head. Oh my god. Marrero's cause of death was also multiple stab wounds to the back and the torso. Just like the other bodies that they found, his body parts had been cleaned. What? That's crazy. That definitely reads medical professional. Like, there's also... It does. Yeah, there's also other details that I'll get into that also tell Mm -hmm. me he was a medical professional. Um... So, uh, Marrero was last seen alive, um, around the Port Authority bus terminal in Manhattan, which is where he used to, like, work, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, the last known victim was Michael Sakura. He was an openly gay 56-year-old man. He was last seen on July 30th of 1993 at the Five Oaks Bar in Greenwich Village. That night, um, he was witnessed drinking and talking to a man who called himself Mark or John and claimed to be a nurse at St. Vincent's Hospital. On the morning of July 31st, 1993, a man man found a bag containing uh, Sakura's shoes, pants, shirt, and wallet. The man felt uneasy about the discovery, and he uh, dropped them off at the Haverstraw police station. A few hours later, a hot dog vendor found Sakura's head and arms wrapped in two garbage bags uh, inside of his trash barrel. Oh, God. That's gross. Yeah. That's gross. Nine days later, on August 8th, the rest of the remains were found 10 miles north in Stony Point, New York. So that's the only one where everything wasn't found together. Yeah. There's one of them where like his belongings were found away from the body, but this is the only one that the body was separated. Mm -hmm. So there are a few other murders that he was suspected of. Uh, Rogers is the prime suspect in the murder of 21-year-old Matthew John Pirro. On April 10th of 1982, 
Piro was found dead off of a dirt road uh, near Interstate 4 in Florida. So you remember he's from Florida. Mm-hmm, originally. Yeah. Um, his death resulted from strangulation and six stab wounds. His nipple had also been bitten off. Oh, Ouch. It was bitten off shortly before the murder. Um, earlier that night, Piero had last been seen at a gay bar in Orlando, Florida. Richard Rogers was in the area at that time for a college reunion. The bite mark on Piero's body could also match Rogers' teeth. So no one ever said for sure that this was a match, but mm-hmm. they're pretty sure. Pretty sure. They're pretty sure. Yeah. They also found a bite mark on someone else's skin. So they were able to like, it, they're pretty sure that's, that's who it was. Mm-hmm. So Rogers is also suspected um, in a 1986 murder of Jack Franklin Andrews whose body parts, uh, he was also discovered in garbage bags and quilts at a rest stop along Route 8 in Litchfield, Connecticut. Mm -mm. Andrews is also um, suspected of being a victim of another unidentified unidentified serial killer who murdered and sexually mutilated at least two men in the United States in 1980 to 1986. So I researched this to try and find out who it was and they don't, they won't tell you who it is. So if if you look up this Andrews guy, the only person that comes up is Richard Rogers, which tells me they're like, no, like people say it could have been this other serial killer, but it's him. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't really know, but that's where everything leads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Investigators believe that Rogers may have killed whenever he went on vacation as he frequently traveled to California, Florida, Massachusetts, West Virginia, New Jersey, and Arkansas. So he could have victims literally anywhere. Everywhere, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So then we go to the investigation. So this is a big scientific word. Give me a second. (laughs) <laughs> using found it out cyano cyanocryolate fuming that's what we're going with um, okay <laughs> sounds good to me <laughs> yeah 28 latent fingerprints and three palm prints were discovered from the eight trash bags that held peter anderson's body so i'm assuming oh it's God. that like it's that like stuff that they spray and it looks, you can like see the fingerprints. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. assuming that's what it is. But they found 28 fingerprints and three palm prints that were on the bags that this man's body was in. Right. The prints were put into the Pennsylvania, New York, Virginia, and New Jersey databases, but no matches were found. Police soon ran out of leads and Anderson's murder became a cold case oh my gosh <sighs> was he arrested in again wow um his original 
for murder when he was there for six months? Um, the the kid who he lived with. Yeah. That was Pennsylvania. Okay. I'm, I'm double checking. Maine. That was Maine. Maine. Okay. So that was when okay. he uh, killed his roommate, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then was acquitted <sighs> for it. So. Shit, I lost my spot. Hang on. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> um... Okay. Uh, the prints were put into the Pennsylvania, New York, Virginia, New Jersey databases, but no matches were found. And so it went to a cold case. Police were unable to find any fingerprints on uh, the Thomas Mulcahy uh, crime scene, and they did, however, find DNA in one of the latex gloves. Good. The DNA was entered into the FBI's combined DNA index system, but there was no matches. What? Yeah. So they're trying everything, and he's a ghost, basically. He's, yeah. Like, they can't find anything. Investigators also trace the origins of the bags containing the uh, the gloves, uh, which they found came from a CVS branch in Staten Island. They used the SKU number that was on the bag. Oh, that's to be able crazy. To, I didn't even yeah. think to do that. Yeah. Um, a sticker on the keyhole saw used to dismember Mulcahy was traced back to... The uh, pregnant retail chain. It sounds like I'm trying to say pregnant and I'm saying it wrong, but it's <laughs> pregnant retail. Pregament. Apparently, it's a it's a like a hardware store. Okay. So at the time, there were 32 uh, pregnants in New York and in New Jersey. Uh, there were two on Staten Island. Uh, one of the which was across the street from a CVS. So uh, this made detectives believe that the perpetrator lived or worked on Staten Island. Mm -hmm. Okay. Police described the way Mulcahy's body was dismembered as disarticulated. Uh, So basically the, he wasn't just dismembered. He wasn't just like, torn apart it was very uh medical and very uh-huh. uh his bones were separated from their joints okay so he uh-huh. knew what he yeah. was doing yeah. right this led investigators to believe that the perpetrator had medical experience uh Mm-mm. police filled out a uh, vicap form in search for similar crimes so vicap is uh violent Crimes, apprehension, something. Okay. Yeah, basically. It's... I've heard of that before, <laughs> but I didn't yeah. know what it was stood for. Yeah. Um, after learning of Peter Anderson's killing, they considered the possibility of a serial killer just at that time because they couldn't put everything all together, basically. Yeah. It was okay. all yeah. It was mm-hmm. weird times and they couldn't really get it. 
two fingerprints and a palm print were found um, on the bag, but the prints didn't match anything in the automated fingerprint identification systems that they were entered into. After Michael Sakura's killing, eight law enforcement agencies in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania set up a task force to catch the perpetrator. A composite okay. sketch of the suspect uh, who claimed to work at St. Vincent Hospital was made from witnesses and statements that they, local, that they gathered from local hospitals. So they're still going off of this one guy that said his name is Mark or John or something, and he says he works at this hospital. That's, mm-hmm. that's the main lead that they have. That's all mm-hmm. that they really have. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the New York City Gay and Lesbian Anti-Violence Project even raised a reward of $10,000 for any information on this murderer. So the gay community decided, we don't, like, we don't really know what to do, and the police don't know anything, so someone has to know something. Like, you guys have to know something. Authorities also requested the names, addresses, and date of births of all nurses nurses employed at St. Vincent's Hospital with the first and middle name of Mark or John. Uh, So they did find a person of interest um, at St. Vincent's Hospital. Uh, He was a gay man named Mark who worked at at St. Vincent's as a nursing care coordinator. Uh, Mm -hmm. He had homes in Manhattan and Staten Island. Mm, Wow. And according to rumors, he visited Townhouse and Five Oaks bars on occasion, which were some of the bars that the people were seen leaving. Mm -hmm. Um, The man was brought in for questioning, but there was no evidence that could tie him to any of the murders. So they let him go. Okay. So on August 26th of 1993, an anonymous tip came in about a nurse who worked at Mount uh, Sinai Hospital. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, According to the tip, the man met the nurse at a gay bar and took him home. When the man was sleeping, the nurse tried to tie him up, but the man resisted and fled. The tipper claimed that coincidentally that he coincidentally met the nurse again at townhouse bar and the nurse again asked him to go home with him, but the man refused. The person who sent the tip didn't know the nurse's name. So detectives requested information about all male nurses who worked at Mount Sinai and lived on Staten Island. Photos of these men were showed to the bartender who saw Sakura uh, with the suspect. When she saw Roger's photo, she noted that he had similar hair to the suspect, but couldn't make a positive identification, so investigations moved on. (laughs) The task force was later disbanded in November of 1993. So... (laughs) I hate to say that it doesn't seem like they're really doing anything, but it kind of doesn't really seem like they're doing anything. Yes. Yeah. Um, like I agree. She's like, oh, I mean, his hair looks similar, but I can't really tell you. And that was it. 
they didn't like you can you know right, well, let's just go else. say hi exactly or like let's mm-hmm. go yeah like... talk to this guy at least so um in 1999 uh the new jersey state police became aware of fingerprint lifting technology known as vacuum metal deposition which used metallic vapors to make invisible or latent prints visible. Okay. Um, so is that like finger dusting, you know, like where they dust the stuff? Kind of. Like? Yeah, but I think it's like, it's a specific kind of thing that they use to be able to mm-hmm. like, actually get it. Even if it's, yeah, they keep saying latent. So I'm assuming that means like, like you can't see it with a naked eye, but it's still there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, gloves and over three dozen plastic bags from the crime scenes were sent to the Toronto forensic lab to be analyzed, an- analyzed, analyzed, <laughs> analyzed. <laughs> Six months later, scientists were able to lift 35 prints and a few palm prints from the evidence packets with the prints and details of the case were sent to, uh, 50 States and Puerto Rico so that they could run them through each state's AFIS systems, which is a database of fingerprints, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, the prints were matched to Richard Rogers from Maine's fingerprint database. Rogers' prints had been on file since his 1973 arrest. But... Ooh. Maine's AFIS system had not gone online until 2001. Shut the hell up. That's disgusting. They oh had my him. God. They had him at the beginning with the fingerprints. And because the system wasn't updated or wasn't online for everyone to be able to see, that was it. Wow. And he was able to go another 20 something years because of this. Because of that. Uh-uh. So, um, on May 28th of 2001, police approached Rogers at his job, telling him that he had been a victim of credit card fraud, so uh, that he would agree to be questioned. When they made it into the interrogation room, detectives told him that he was actually under investigation for the murders that he was suspected of. Rogers admitted to knowing Michael Sakura, but after uh, figuring out the police had linked him to the murders, Rogers requested counsel and was arrested. His bail was set at $1 million. Hmm. During a search of Rogers' home, investigators uh, discovered more criminal evidence linking him to the murders. So they don't say what the evidence is, but I'm assuming it has to do... They don't say what all of it is, but I'm assuming it has to do with, like, the types of bags and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they do stuff from the people. They do tell you a little bit of what they found. Um, so they found a bottle of Versed, which is a medication commonly uh, used as a date rape drug. Rogers' carpet okay. fibers were also consistent with the ones found in Mulcahy's body. And plastic bags in his home... Uh, were the same as where all of the bags that they found the victim. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Um, 
Additionally, they also discovered highlighted passages about decapitation and disembowelment in Roger's Bible. Mm, seriously? Videotapes of horror films, a New Jersey roadmap, and Polaroid pictures of, sur- of shirtless men with stab wounds drawn on them. <gasps> oh my gosh, drawn on? Yes. So this is not... This is something that he thinks about quite often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, it, most serial killers, I guess, do. So, um, he had been arrested, and his bail was set at $1 million. Roger's trial uh, begins on October 26th of 2005. Roger's was offered a plea deal during the jury selection, which stated that if he pled guilty to manslaughter in both cases he would receive 32-year sentence with the possibility of parole after 15 years. Additionally, if he pled guilty to third-degree murder uh, for the murder of Peter Anderson, he would receive a total of 10 to 20 years in prison. What? So if you, if you give us, if you just tell us, yeah, I did this, then you'll get two life sentences but if you also add this on then we'll shorten everything to 10 years oh and my god for killing three people for killing uh-uh. people and like or, manslaughter my butthole if i was that person's like mom or mm-hmm. sister or brother or whatever i'd be like the you're gonna exactly you'll know you're gonna send his ass to yeah court so uh roger said that he would take it into consideration but ultimately ended up declining the deal Several witnesses, such as those who discovered the remains of the victims, detectives uh, who investigated the case, and fingerprint comparison analysis testified at the trial. However, Richard Rogers himself did not testify and remained quiet throughout the legal proceedings. Although Rogers was never charged with the killing of Peter Andrews or Michael Sakura, their cases were allowed to be discussed at the trial due to the similarities of the other murders. Dude! Mm. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, all right. However, the killings of Frederick Spencer and John Pirro in the, uh, in the 1988 uh, assault were not allowed to be mentioned. So because what? they didn't have enough similarities to the other murders, they weren't allowed to be mentioned. But, but it shows like progression. Yes, like, exactly. You know, like... And, but, okay. no. but you could also bring up these ones that are like, oh, well, like, these are pretty similar, but he didn't do these. Right. What do you? Which is going to cause you to think, oh, maybe he didn't. He did them. Maybe somebody else did it. You know what I mean? I. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> okay. Um. In November of two thousand five, the jury, after deliberating for three hours and forty five minutes, round uh, found. Richard Rogers guilty of all charges. Rogers reportedly showed a uh, showed no reaction to the verdict and continued staring at the front of the courtroom. 
Rogers is currently uh, serving two consecutive life sentences for two murders in New Jersey State Prison in Trenton, New Jersey. What the hell? Yeah. That was like, oh my God. I don't that gave me a headache. It was a lot of information. That's a lot. I was that trying to keep lot, it all man. Clear. But it's, uh, dude. To well, make I it just, make sense. I guess. I guess if they're like, they're like, we have to get this guy because we know he's done these murders, but there are two murders that we don't have enough evidence on, so we can't really say much about. Or else we might be yeah. the case. But I don't know. Well, but this is what I was thinking. Like with the thing, it's like with the other two murders murders being in the case where you can't say he did it because you don't have that right. guilty verdict. Yeah. So it's gonna make a juror think, Oh, well, if somebody <clears throat> else killed them that way, then I bet that other person killed these people. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're going to mm-hmm. think there's a tough, different person out there that's killing these people, not yeah. him. And why, so it all should have just been excluded. Right. What, like, what in your defense is that going to help? It's not going to help Nothing. anything. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And the, the defense shouldn't allow that because then, like you said, it tells the jury like, oh, he probably did this. So I don't understand why it was included at all in general. Yeah. Unless you have the evidence for it, just leave it out. It's not a fair trial. Right. Kind of thing. I don't know. There's, there's a lot more to this guy. It's, it's a lot more morbid and it gets a lot more in depth. So if you would like to research this man, go for it. There's a documentary on him. Um, I believe there's also, it's not, it's like a, like an HBO special. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to look at it objectively from the police side, but it honestly just doesn't really seem like they cared that much in the beginning. They probably didn't. Yeah. Cause they're gay. Right. And that's gross. Yeah, exactly. Which is unfortunately especially in new york like that was a very uh toxic time for queer people in general yeah and it was during the aids epidemic and everything like that so it's i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into it because like it's just close to my heart so i'm trying to look at it objectively but also at the same time it just doesn't seem like it was. Did they do? It, it doesn't. Did but rape the other the other people. Was there any sort of like? I don't sexual anything with those. So there was a bite mark on one of them, um, yeah. and then the one that wasn't allowed to be brought up, his nipple was bitten off. That's right. So the, I I don't think they did um, like rape kits or anything, but yeah, the bodies were. I mean the um, the the bodies were cleaned off. So who knows what actually happened? Yeah. I don't know. Oh my God. I hate this story. This one, I hate it. These, these are really tough for me because I was a real stupid kid in my twenties and would like just randomly go home with people from the bar. 
And so like now hearing this stuff and it was like, this was still happening like while I was out there. So it's just this like, I don't know. It hits different. Yeah. You just never know. Never know. Well, those are the last call killings. Good job. Thanks. That's crazy. That was like, <laughs> like I can't I believe like they I'm let just him go. So mad, and I have so many questions, and I just want to like. We also don't know, like we we only know what we know. We don't know all the things of like the, what the police had and what their protocol sure. is. Sure. You know, yeah. it just makes it even more hard. It's like yeah. from the outside looking, it looks like y'all are just kind of like, eh, whatever. And you know, but we just really don't know. From what from what I read, some of his victims, like there, one of his victims was a sex worker. Well, mm-hmm. no, one of the ones that was able to be brought up in court was he was a sex worker, and he was also like, if you read, if you Google him, he like all they say about him was that he was an alcoholic sex worker. So okay. I'm assuming that's what like the police saw, and so they were just like, yeah, you know. A gay right. alcoholic, it's, you know, but yeah, absolutely, yeah, easy targets, right? Yeah, stuff that they were used to seeing and stuff that wasn't, you know, yeah, yeah, a family man or something like that, you know. I mean, one, one of them was guy. a family man, and he just mm-hmm. happened to be at that gay bar that night and got picked up. Yeah, God, and could you imagine? I know this is like not what we need to be worried about. But could you imagine his wife? Mm-hmm. It's like having to deal with the pain of, okay, my husband was gay and cheating on me. And, but also having to deal with like, okay, but now he's dead too. So. And in a horrible like, way. Yeah. 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 Like, like, like the worst way. To, like, that's two different horrific things and like two different crazy feelings towards this one. Like I just, uh-uh. that for um, now. Yeah. Like, that's hard. I don't know. I wanna I wanna look further into this stuff, but I tried while I was writing the script and there's not a whole lot of information that I was able to find. At least about yeah. the questions that I had. Which mm-hmm. are probably not relevant to anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, good job. That was crazy. Yeah. Thank you. He's that was a lot of information and it was a lot to keep track of. So hopefully everyone was able to keep track and kind of follow yeah, along. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, you laid it out in good timeline, so it's not like it was yeah, it was easy to follow along right. with. It was just a lot. There's there's also a bunch of names and stuff like that. So, but in the end, basically, he was convicted of two murders, and that was it. But there was at least three other murders that they were like, this is definitely him, but they weren't able to. They just couldn't convict him of it. I've heard that too. And that's just so, it's so horrible when they can't. I mean, not that I've ever been in those but like, do you think that you would be okay with, like if that was your whoever, and that's what they, they were like, listen, I can't convict him of it because I don't have the evidence, but like it was him. No. Like, would you be okay with that? Or would you no. be like, well, you got to figure it out? I don't, 
I, yeah, you have to figure it out yeah, and you have to punish them for it. <laughs> there's too much. No. <laughs> there's too much that would go through my brain that's like, well, what if it's not him and then this guy's still out here? Like, I need, I'm, as horrible as it sounds, I would need definites. I would need some kind yeah. of, this is who did it and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's one I'm, of those where it's like, like a Jeffrey Dahmer situation, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, you know, there's a lot of this that we couldn't convict of, but like, you know, it was, him. you know, yes. it was him. Yeah. You yeah. Know, where it's like, okay, are you okay with that? Or are you not? Because he didn't get like an actual court right. conviction. But at the same so time, that's where I'm kind of like, like, uh, this is Mm-mm. a little bit different, but like if someone was cheating on me, I wouldn't want to know any information about the other person. So I, I have a feeling yeah. it's something like similar to it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Could be. Hopefully we'll never know. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully we don't yeah. have to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, holy crap. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of mm-hmm. these like queer and gay serial killers that um, there was one that I was researching called the grinder killer. Like you, Mm -hmm. everyone needs to be very careful. Oh yeah. If you ever, please, if you ever go meet up with somebody, there is at least one person needs to know where you're going. If you leave a bar with somebody, someone needs to know where you're going. Someone needs to know Mm -hmm. that person. Like, and whoever mm -hmm. you're going with also needs to know that you, told somebody where you were going right and Mm -hmm. a a lot of the queer community still holds on to this like 70s and 80s ideal of like oh we have to hide this and you like i just need to go hook up real quick and nobody really needs to know kind of thing like it's 2023 it's it's more accepted than ever it you Mm -hmm. you you have to tell somebody you have to yeah Mm -hmm. There's been many times where I've uh, text Rainy and be like, I'm going here. This is where I'm going. If you don't hear from me in four hours, send out a fucking search team. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know that she's the one that's going to bring the dogs and her husband with the gun. Like, she's yeah. going to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, that's just my PSA is. Uh, not necessarily just queer people, but anybody that is in like the dating scene, like let people know where you're going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just be careful. Be careful. Yeah. yeah. Trust your intuition. Intuition. Very much so. It's always right for the most part. Yeah. Well, with us at least, because we're yeah crazy. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Crazy. All right. Well, enough of my rambling. Uh, Storm, where can they find us? We are on Facebook, Three Siblings Walking to a Bar. We are on Instagram at Three Swib Podcast. Um, please go on there, like, comment, do all the things. Also, keep a lookout. We'll post something about the um, giveaway, I would assume, mm-hmm. exactly on our one year, which I think would be the second. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. What was I saying? Oh, rate review. So super helpful for us, especially on Apple. They are super picky about sharing stuff without reviews. And yes. 
All right. Well, that's what happens when three siblings walk into a bar.